What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hold it, don't nobody move. Today's Bob Seska Show is brought to you in part by our Patreon page. In case you're not aware, we produce four podcasts per week. That means a new show every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Now, you might be wondering why you don't see the Friday show on Apple Podcasts, etc. Well, that's because our Friday After Party podcast, with all of its revealing discussions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics, is only available through our Patreon page. So please help support this show by subscribing to our Friday After Party podcast for just $10 per month. That's bobseskashow.com, or just click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. I'm getting a little tired of hearing that after six policemen get arrested for shoving a floor lamp up some black guy's ass and ripping his intestines out, the police department announces they're going to have sensitivity training. I say, hey, if you need special training to be told not to jam a large, cumbersome object up someone else's asshole, maybe you're too fucked up to be on the police force in the first place. You know what they ought to do? They ought to have two new requirements for being on the police. Intelligence and decency. You never can tell. It might just work. It certainly hasn't been tried yet. No one should ever have any object placed inside their asshole that is larger than a fist and less loving than a dildo. Bob Seska. Bob Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show. That was from 21 years ago. 21 years ago, nothing changes. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, June 9th, 2020, and this is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hi, what's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 1,237 of the Trump crisis, 147 days until the 2020 presidential election. I wish it was like tomorrow. It has to be tomorrow. Oh, hey, look, sitting right over there. His real name is... Mike Elson. But we call him Buzz, <laughs> Buzz Burbank. From Buzz Burbank News and Comment. Hi, Buzz. Hi, Bob. Hi, everybody. Yeah, that's that's me. That's me. So, listen, last week I'm in the green room uh, before the show, and they say to me, you're on right after Patton Oswalt. Yeah. And uh, this week, it's uh, you're on right after Carlin. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, why, why Why? bother? Yeah. He, he's Bob, I'm Buzz, and we're here to ask why people are so stingy with ravioli. So you watched last night. I the- watched the whole thing. Bob was on a show last night. Uh, it was on your phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It called... Uh, <laughs> Corona, yeah, that's right. <laughs> called Corona Kitchen. Yes, with Debriana Mancini. Yes, you can still get it. And uh, wonderful ladies, and uh, uh, wonderful to watch them cooking. And yeah. I guess they've been doing this uh, during the <laughs> during the shutdown and and beyond. You know, while we're still playing it safe, and they have celebrities on. The last week they had uh, Rocky Mountain Mike, and mm-hmm. this past week they had they had Bob. And I, I you know, shh, don't tell Rocky Mountain Mike, but I, I didn't get around to watching last week's show <laughs> but I, I but I but I watched every minute of your show and I you were hilarious I really enjoyed it oh uh, so much fun you can watch the uh, stream right now on my Facebook page it's it's there you can watch it on demand whenever you want and uh, also we wanted to point out today uh, when we say defund Bob's patreon page what we really mean is reimagine it <laughs> so 
uh, coronavirus is still with us. Uh, you know, more grim numbers coming out today. Uh, and I see uh, people still taking action. Frontier Airlines. Uh, Frontier is now taking passengers' temperatures as they board the plane mm-hmm. and turning away anybody who has a fever of 104 degrees or more. <laughs> so, you know, if you're running around, oh, 103.5, go ahead and take a seat. <laughs> going to be strange cutoff point there yeah Yeah. uh but but things are opening up Mm -hmm. uh as you notice people are flooding into las vegas to try their luck and and a lot of them are also gambling (laughs) man idiocracy on the march and did you hear about this Uh, jk rowling said uh such such horrible things this past week on the subject of sexual identity Mm -hmm. uh harry potter fans are working on a spell to make her disappear about time make some people happy yeah kind of and maybe this is just me uh but but i keep getting these emails from joe biden that mm. say and it, every you know i must have gotten a half a dozen of these they say i can i call you <laughs> you know i don't mind the emails but i really don't want him to call <laughs> no one likes phone calls anymore is that wrong i just don't <laughs> i love him i just don't want to talk to him mike elson <laughs> Uh, where do we start today, Buzz? Um, there's so many things happening all at the same time. Donald Trump's trying to uh, one-up himself, apparently, by tweeting the most obnoxious tweet I think he's ever tweeted about that protester up in Buffalo who's shoved down by the police. Uh, what, a 75-year-old man? 75. Yeah, Martin yeah. Gugino. And Who's still in serious condition as Trump uh, tweets this. Yeah, and no surprise, if anyone saw the video, you'd know that the guy had to be in serious condition because he, he cracked his head open. I think there was blood coming out of his ear. I mean, all he's doing... Out of the back. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, out of the back of his head and out of his ear also. Yeah. Everyone sees that video, and we all see a victim. We all see a tragedy. Donald Trump looks at it and says, oh, look, a target. Something I can use to divide people with. And naturally, he's also, at the same time, and this may be the worst part of it, parroting some sort of ridiculous OANN conspiracy theory that not only is ludicrous, but at the same time, I think it was put forth by a guy who also works for Sputnik, which of is the, the Russian radio propaganda network. Right. And so this is what Donald Trump tweets as he's shouting at his television, <laughs> you know, because he's so busy. Uh, Buffalo protester shoved by police could be an Antifa provocateur. 75, uh-huh. And by the way, accurately spelled provocateur. That's kind of amazing. 75-year-old Martin Gugino was pushed away after appearing to scan police communications in order uh-huh. to black out the equipment. You can't do that with a police scanner, by the way. OANN, he tags OANN. I watched, uh-huh. yeah. I watched he fell harder than was pushed. Was aiming, <laughs> was aiming scanner. Could be uh-huh. a setup, question mark? Antifa begins their recruiting. And and those of you who have, uh, you know, have the membership cards know this. Yeah. Antifa begins their recruiting uh, with 75-year-olds. <laughs> this is uh, absolutely it, stupid. It is, and it's not, and it's, it is to divide. You're right mm-hmm. about that. But it's also uh, gaslighting. Yeah. It's also whataboutism. Mm-hmm. It's also saying, yeah, okay, but but he was a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's a way of muddying the water, which is something he and Republicans have specialized in for mm-hmm. at least the last four years. Yeah, I mean, take out the part about OANN and this weird ability to use a police scanner to black out the cop's equipment, right? Uh-huh. Then you get to the part where it says, he fell harder than he was pushed. Right. Well, let's do an experiment. Let's I, suddenly I'm Mr. Wizard. Donald Trump is walking down the stairs off of Air Force One, hanging uh-huh. on to the railing as he's wont to do. If I walk up behind him and I shove him, I assure you, he will fall down the stairs faster than he was walking down them. That's the way gravity operates. I, uh, you're going to be extra pleased. I want to tell you, uh, Sir Isaac Newton is on line three. <laughs> there he goes. So that uh, he, he's uh, again, he's in a corner. Yeah, he uh, he's desperate. He's flailing. He's grasping. Uh, you know, the, the poll numbers reflect the result of that flailing. And mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing that's one of the things we'll be talking about today. Yeah. Well, that and a lot more. I mean, right <laughs> on the heels of this whole thing, this guy, Christian Brunovich Ruse, originally from the Siberian city of, 
I'm not even going to pronounce it. That's that's the name of the Good Siberian city. It's it's Russian for I'm not going to even try to pronounce this. Yeah, he's been living in San Diego, where OAN is based since August 2017, reporting on U.S. politics for the 24-hour news channel. Uh, for all of that time, he's been simultaneously writing for Sputnik, a Kremlin-owned mm-hmm. newswire that played sure. a role in Russia's 2016 election interference operation, according to an assessment by the U.S. intelligence community. Ruse on-air reports for OAN include a wholly fabricated 2017 segment claiming Hillary Clinton is secretly bankrolling Antifa through her political action committee. I got my check, didn't you? I got a big stack of them uncashed so far. Why well, I got to get to the uh, bank. All of this self-isolation has uh, prevented me from cashing all of mine. <laughs> Clinton Ruse uh, claimed falsely gave Antifa protesters $800,000 that went toward things like bricks, hammers, bats, and chains. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one of the many loony conspiracy you can, theories. You, you could build a hell of an S&M chamber with that. Yeah, you, you know... <laughs> Donald Trump is literally like a hair away from being like a Sandy Hook truther. You know, for many, many years, we covered uh, Alex Jones and InfoWars here on the show. Talk about Alex Jones, talk about Dan Badandi, talk about that whole universe of goons and weirdos. And here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Here we are uh, in 2020. And the president of the United States may as well just be one of them. I mean, because we have yeah. basically the Alex Jones presidency. And it's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's not even as grounded in reality as Alex Jones might be. OAN. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. I want that on tape. <laughs> Scum. Well, comparatively to, okay. o- All right. to the OAN network, which is just unmitigated fiction. It's almost self-satirical i would say almost it is self-satirical because you watch it you see their reporters in the white house press room you turn on oann and it seems like a bunch of liberals got together and said hey let's see what we can get away with let's see what we can get them to believe let's see how silly we can make (laughs) how how totally absurd let's see how far we can take this and you know it wouldn't surprise me if one of these days it came out that it was like a reverse rat fuck like (laughs) like it really was like michael moore getting together with like brad pitt and sean penn and they're putting together Comedy no, Bob. Network. No, Bob. They really are stupid. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. Well, that's that's upsetting because, I mean, at some point soon, uh, depending on how things go on November 3rd, uh, Donald Trump is going to turn OAN into uh, Trump TV. I think that's pretty much. Yeah. In the regardless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Regardless of how things go in the election, uh, I think we can expect that. Hey, the one hitch in that is if he goes to prison and, mm-hmm. the, and, and it may take a while to get him there. There may be a little gap yeah. between uh, not necessarily between his uh, stepping down or being removed mm-hmm. uh not so much immediately but but very soon after that uh, he he may be behind bars he, even if he's arrested immediately yeah, uh, yeah so i you know i don't know i think that's something we should keep in mind because i think that's a very real probability uh, on yeah. uh, Trump's leaving office that he will face criminal charges. Yeah, and that's one of the things he's terrified of. I mean, we've been forecasting this for a while now. I think it's right. pretty obvious that Donald Trump knows that if he loses, that indictments are in his future. Lawsuits certainly are in his future. Yes. Yeah, so it's going to be constantly begging for you know a legal I, fund to be replenished so he can defend himself. It's going to be great to watch, I, and I hope it happens. I I don't want to shoot too high here, but I wouldn't rule out war crimes trial. That's uh, also a know, possibility. I mean, yeah. yeah. Seriously. I mean, uh, that's something you might say to be inflammatory, but in this case, it happens to be reality based. <laughs> and of course, now we're seeing the polls and polls are looking really good today, yeah. today. And uh, naturally, I I'm, right? I'm, I'm constantly Debbie Downer about the polls. I totally get that. <laughs> well, I, mean, I want to I wanna have a little talk with you about that today. Yeah, well, let's, <laughs> you know what? Let's talk about that now because there were a series of poll numbers that came out this week that were looking mm-hmm. really great for Joe Biden. And I know you posted some of those poll results on Twitter and Facebook. And and probably took a beating. And, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, my people came after <laughs> oh, no. with the... Oh, no, there, there, are, there are people as far as I'm concerned. Yes. And, and I... I know that their intent and your intent come from a good-hearted place. Yeah. But that that phrase, and and maybe this is just me, yeah. but that place has held a different meaning for me, and I'd like to talk about that. But I'd like to talk about it. It, it isn't really so much about that. I'd like to talk about it in the context of an attitude I'm right, seeing. Right. I, I get the feeling sometimes, Bob, that if I said that Joe Biden has a 99% lead over Donald Trump, people would liberals would still go, 
well, he's just going to cheat. We're going to lose anyway. I have another four years. Yeah. I am so sick of that attitude. I've had, I've had it. I've had it. I've had it. And, and there's a little bit of that uh, reflected in that. And, and I just think we're taking the wrong attitude. Uh, we have poll numbers now that show Trump by eight points, nine points. Mm-hmm. In the case of the poll that I cited, 14 points. I've written a little statement here. I'll, you know, it's not too terribly long, but I'd like to talk about this in, in this form. Yeah, yeah. I agree we should not be overconfident. We have much, much work yet to do. And as I've said all along, there are a lot of obstacles to overcome. There's gerrymandering, voter suppression, disinformation, propaganda, and of course now the coronavirus and the shifting in voting practices that's making it difficult to vote, uh, even more so than usual and and far more challenging. I've also said we, we need a wide margin. You've said this too. We need a wide margin of votes to overcome this cheating, all these various forms of cheating. And and last week on this show, I said that threshold would be about 14%, that when we got to that point, uh, we'd be looking at a landslide. Mm-hmm. When it, when a, that CNN poll came out this week showing that we'd reached the 14% lead, uh, uh, what I heard from progressives was a caution, but, but also, and really more on Facebook, a pessimism. Uh, they, I got responses like, yeah, yeah, we heard that in 2016. <laughs> no, you didn't. You, yeah. you just didn't. The polls were spot on with the popular vote predictions, and Hillary in 2016 didn't have a 14-point lead. Yeah. I'm asking my fellow progressives to learn to take yes for an answer occasionally. I still got barraged with the thing, don't get happy, and I'll talk about the background of that a little bit. Okay. If, the phrase carries a little bit different meaning for me than it does for most of you, and I know, as I said, I know you, Bob, uh, don't use it with malicious intent, and neither do the people who who tweeted at me the other day. But uh, I I first heard that phrase from a boss who resented the individual successes of his own people, believing that they distracted from his own. Uh, And it it was used in that context to cruelly dampen another person's moment in the sun. Mm -hmm. It was used to oppress and to control. It was a way of saying to those employees, you're still vulnerable to severe punishment no matter how good a day you're having. (sighs) So I worry that the phrase don't get happy carries with it the danger that we as progressives never will be happy. And yeah. I'm not asking you to be satisfied. We'll always want and need more, and that's natural. Uh, and that skepticism is good. Skept- skepticism good. Cynicism bad. Yeah. And, and, and I think we have to be careful. We have become so accustomed to defeat over these last four years, losing uh, effectively on impeachment, at least certainly in terms of removal from office, and the the other avenues that we've pursued, the so many things we've, we feel like we've been trampled on, kids in cages, and, and we're just, it feels like we're not winning anything, and we see the cheating, and we feel like we're never going to win anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you that that attitude can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, and I don't think we want to let that happen. I think... I think we need to, ter- to, love, to take yes for an answer and accept even the small victories when we get them. This week, I, I don't know that it calls for champagne, maybe some sparkling apple juice. Uh, because, <laughs> oh, because, why? Why? Let's make because, it fun. Let's at least make because, it fun. Because, because we got a 14% lead in the polls. That's something not to complain about. Now, again, as somebody said to me, well, vote like you're uh, eight points behind. Mm. I agree with that. Do vote like you're eight points. But start, we need to start carrying ourselves like winners. We need to start having that winning attitude if we expect to win. I sound like a freaking football coach at halftime. Uh, but but this is what is necessary. We We've allowed this negativity, this cynicism, and this fiery anger to take over to the point that we're not able to see and hear as well as we could before. The anger, as I tell a lot of people, is good. That's good energy. Use it for good here. But I think we have to be careful not to to sour ourselves so that we can sometime, someday be, be happy again. I, I, it, it makes these small victories meaningless if we, if we carry that negative attitude. Like I said, I understand where all this comes from, uh, and I understand that Democrats have their own set of problems and, and their own imperfections, including uh, too much navel-gazing, too much, uh, too much uh, thinking about what could go wrong mm-hmm. as opposed to looking at what we have also done right. 
Uh, I just think it's time for us to take on the role of winners, a time for strength, not defeatism, based on the momentum we have in these polls. Let's carry that forward is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think to, to, to get happy, to be happy, we need to learn to embrace good news when we see it and stop being skeptical about every damn thing that comes down the pike, whether it's a public opinion poll or Mitt Romney in a Black Lives Matter march. Yeah. Um, uh, a vote. Don't get complacent. Don't be overconfident. But gosh darn it, it's okay to be happy. Get happy if you want to. It's our turn. You know what? All good points. And you know what? I agree with all of it. And here's the problem. Here's the big but in my response Uh buzz. I wanted this, actually. Yeah, well, essentially, I mean, just to go back to the origins of of don't get happy. It's not something I've invented. That's not a a phrase that's unique to me. And I don't even know that that person invented it. Yeah, They may have gotten it somewhere else, for all I know. Yes, from my research, I have learned that it's a thing that just gets thrown around and it was adopted by them. Uh, But I heard it through your former boss, uh, because I used to listen to that show all the time. <laughs> okay. and, and so, uh, <laughs> consequently, that, that it's bled into my brain. It's as, uh-huh. as so many things have. And so I've been adapting it in a different way. I've been using the right. phrase to mean something else, which is to not get complacent in the face of good news. My concern is always, when it comes to Democrats and voting, is that we have a tendency to get a little complacent when the news is we, good, when it did. looks like, yeah. And we so, did last time. We did in 2016. I agree. Oh, we yeah. thought we had it, and we got lazy. I don't think that's going to be a problem this time. I think people are far more motivated uh, for Joe Biden yeah. and against Donald Trump mm-hmm. than they were uh, for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of other factors. I mean, he's losing white voters. He's losing evangelicals. He's us- losing veterans. Uh, these are all his base. He's losing uh, over 65s, over 55s. White non-college educated voters, all among that last group, the white non-college educated voters, he's dropped his supports dropped ten percent in the oh, last yeah. month. Yeah. So uh, the guy, the guy's done. He's toast. He's history. We can't take that for granted. We still have to continue to vote and fight. And I never said we should stop doing any of those mm-hmm. things. Oh yeah, but yeah. Uh, we just, you know, just uh, just take yes for an answer for crying <laughs> out loud. Yes, you know just, what? I swear to God, I couldn't agree with you more. The problem is, is that I'm just this victim of the cynicism you're talking about because the Democrats have a turnout problem and the problem is is that we have so much that we need to overcome many of the things that you listed listed, uh, a second ago and if we don't turn out in the numbers that we need to turn out with those impediments to voting end up winning sort of like what we're seeing in Georgia now I always compare um, elections these days uh, from a Democratic perspective to that Ernest Hemingway story of the old man in the sea where we've got this Let's say in the in the context of 2020, we've got this big fish that we've caught out in the, the ocean, and we've got it to, attached to the side of our boat, and we're dragging it in. And that big fish is Joe Biden running for president, and all the poll numbers that are kind of going our way at this point. And I feel like as we get closer and closer to shore, which is November 3rd, things are picking away constantly at that big fish until the potential is... Uh, where we're now looking at whatever it is, a a 10-point race at this point, could get dwindled down to a two-point race by Election Day because of all of these. possible. Yeah. Anything's possible. I just think it's okay to pause for a moment and go, hey, 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 look at this. Yeah. This is good. Let's celebrate this. We can't be complacent. We can't let down. But uh, let's enjoy. How cool are we? I think we carry ourselves like winners. I remember from, like, high school, if you didn't have a hall pass and you were out in the hall, all you had to do was carry (laughs) yourself like you knew what you were doing and you knew where you were going (laughs) and no one would ever stop you if you acted i want all progressives to carry that air of confidence Mm. no matter what you may feel or what your private worries may be uh we need to start behaving like winners if we expect to win i think that's just basic well we need to prioritize winning first i think that's the main thing i mean we can comport ourselves like winners and that's great i think that's a great goal to strive toward but at the same time, work, I think we, work for Trump. Yeah, we, we have a problem. The, I would say not the Democratic Party necessarily, but liberalism in general has a problem with prioritizing winning of elections. We tend to prioritize policy over those things. And we don't get the policy unless we win the elections. I mean, there's a chicken right. and the egg kind of thing that's uh, at play constantly in Democratic politics. And I feel
feel like uh, the prioritization of winning needs to become a thing again. And I look at this, and I, you know what? I hadn't intended to talk about defund the police on the show today. I just oh, want to I, I think we it. should. I yeah. think we should. Because I feel like that's one of the big chunks being bitten out of the fish that we're hauling to shore in the old man in the sea analogy. And the problem with defund the police is not the concept mm-hmm. that is driving it. The, not at all. The underlying description that's driving that ill-considered slogan is a positive thing. The slogan itself is bad. It, it needs to be something else. It needs to be fix the police. My friend Mike Luciano came up with fix the police the other day. I think that's yeah. the reform the police, something along those lines. Yeah, and I was with those. I My initial embrace was reform uh, the police. I, I have yeah. a new, this is my personal slogan, mm-hmm. rebuild the police. Yeah, hey, that's uh, good. And, 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 and Camden, New Jersey, for example, uh, uh, eliminated, completely eliminated, mm-hmm. uh, like eight years ago, its city police department, yeah. and replaced it with a new county department retraining and screening all of the officers so nobody came over from the old department unless they passed new standards, new mm-hmm. screening standards and new training standards to get in. And then it was built differently. Uh, officers uh, knock on doors to introduce themselves and say, I'm here if you need any help. They uh, have cookouts. They have ice cream trucks. They have drive-in movies on the street uh, that where to, you know, to get together with the community. And uh, crime has dropped dramatically there. Yeah. They just they tore it down and built a new one. If you say defund, but they, the problem, Bob, and you've said this and a lot of people have said this and it's true the problem is the name yeah and it's already being used against us oh, yeah. it's already to make us look like we're nuts like we want to eliminate the police uh, completely and in some ways some reformers that's what they want to do uh but uh, this the you still wouldn't be without services i love the fact that in austin texas you call 911 uh they say is this a a fire of uh, you need fire police or mental health assistance. Yeah. Uh, and, and that menu can and will be, and in some places has been expanded to include other services. We call on the police to do entirely too much. We, they have to settle domestic disputes. They have to handle drug overdoses. They have to handle homelessness problems. It's too much. We've, we've, because, because we've refused to spend and take on and take care of other problems. We've just dumped it all on the police. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and along with a lot of military equipment, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, it's just all messed up. And I, in my opinion, it does need to be rebuilt from the ground up. Just don't call it that. Mm-hmm. Message messaging is everything. Oh yeah, yeah. This is an ongoing problem on the left, and we have the right ideas. We have the right concepts. I mean, everything that I've heard as far as proposals for reforming the police, for in fact maybe taking police departments out of the mix and replacing them with something else. That's also good. The problem on the left is we're just terrible at selling it. We're terrible at the marketing. And that's why, quite honestly, and sue me if you've got a problem with this, this is why I like the idea of the never-Trumpers helping out with advertising. This Specifically the Project Lincoln mm-hmm. guys who are doing yeah. some phenomenal advertising. Maybe Amen. we could learn a thing or two from that kind of marketing and advertising. Please, please. Republicans are really good at this. We yeah. need to do yeah. better. We need to do what they do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. And I feel like a slogan that only empowers your enemy is not a good slogan. What you want with a political right. slogan is a slogan that your enemies are afraid to repeat. Like, again, we saw this throughout the George <laughs> W. Bush years. I mean, the clean the clean skies initiative and the healthy forests initiative, these things, the death tax, oh, these are all sorts of things that, well, how can you be in support, support. of the death tax? Yeah, you don't want to be repeating something that makes you look bad. So in that sense, uh, you'd also also don't want your enemies to be constantly repeating your slogan because it makes you look bad. That's you know, not they, the goal here. You, you may as well have named it Epstein because <laughs> it, that's how popular that's how popular this is. Yeah. This is just it's just 
dumb. It's mm-hmm. just dumb to, to call it that. It frightens people. It frightens white suburban voters who were thinking about voting Democrat. Yeah. Uh, as I saw somebody say, do not uh, take this moment to snatch victory, uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> it's like you're uh, reading my mind. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable because these are very, very good ideas, mm. but it's been given the wrong name. And as long as it carries that name, I don't care how much you explain it, it's doomed. Yeah. And I see people, I see people trying to, well, Here's what that really means. You know what? If you and I think you said this, if you have to explain it, uh, <laughs> you've chosen a bad name. And that is one of the main problems. I mean, it was so interesting uh, to have these conversations, and I like to think of them more, more as conversations and less yes. as debates or arguments that happen on Twitter on Sunday. But I brought this up. I brought this whole issue up, and a lot of people were responding with very thoughtful descriptions of what the slogan uh-huh. actually means. And they would go on for a couple of tweets. And I'm like, well, if you have to take that long to explain it, the slogan is probably not as effective as you think it is. So maybe rethink. We're still early in all this, especially when it comes to the election itself. With Trump time the way it is, with Internet time the way it is, where, you know, between now, what did I say? It's 147 days until the election. Right. That is like a lifetime. And that we've got plenty of wiggle room to be able to come up with something that's a little bit more hey, hey, here's appropriate. A tip. Here's a tip. Make it yeah. something positive. Uh, you, yeah. you heard some of the Republican names for programs before. Uh, make it something attractive. Make it something that, that no, as Bob indicated, that no one would dare criticize. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, something about... Uh, uh, public you know new public safety or mm-hmm. I, I mean uh, there, there's got to be something uh, it, I think the public safety angle is, a, is yeah. a, a good way to go if you can find the right phrase for that a public safety force yeah. yeah we're in favor of a public safety force well this is entirely different this means people who specialize only in drug calls people who specialize only in domestic uh, disputes and these things already exist in some mm-hmm. cities by the yeah. way this is not a new idea this has been successfully done uh, we can just do it to a much greater degree and i agree with the uh, the mantra of demilitarize yeah. the the uh, police yeah, that certainly needs to be done uh, obama certainly made efforts toward that and of course Trump reversed those. Compared to a phrase that's coexisting with defund the police right now, Black Lives Matter. It's been around for a while now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that is an effective slogan. Because Mm -hmm. even when your opponents, let's say Donald Trump repeats Black Lives Matter, it's reinforcing the idea that Black Lives Matter. Even it's though clear, he is it's clear communication. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's clear communication, mm-hmm. and it's a positive message. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what's so important. Then you get your opponents to accidentally reinforce the message you're trying to pursue mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. it necessarily damaging your electoral hopes with swing voters, for example, which defund the police is going to do. You're going to scare the piss out of all of those uh, you know, suburban voters in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Michigan, Pennsylvania, and right. so on. And oh, that's a, again, that's the little bites that I'm seeing being taken out of that big fish as we get Trump's, closer to the election. Trump's already running with it. He's yeah, already tweeting yeah. about it, calling mm-hmm. us nuts for... Uh, wanting to, you know, uh, eliminate police forces. Well, for the most part, that's not true. Uh, yeah. What we want to do is spread out, uh, break it up into specialties mm-hmm. uh, and and have, of course, higher standards for those who are in a position to be on the front lines of public safety. And we've heard lots of solutions, and we've heard lots of solutions that actually have manifested results, positive results for communities and cities. And so these are things that we need to be pursuing at, at the same time. Uh, we got to sell it. Otherwise, it's never we're never going to be able to do it. If we can't actually sell the ideas, if the ideas become toxic to the actual movement, then mm. it's obviously counterproductive. And so, yeah, and, just, and damage is already being done. I mean, we've yeah. got dam- damage control has got to swing quickly on this. Yeah, and I, I get it. I know you guys, you don't like the never Trumpers on occasion or all the time time as the case may be but the fact is that there's a lot that we can learn from them and and that i think is part of the point of of forming this alliance you know i i don't know how kimberly felt about my response because normally i'm I'm extremely supportive of of things that she posts i I was a little less so on something when she uh expressed skepticism about mitt romney Uh. but but my response was and and the same applies to what you were just talking about there's no reason we can't use him slash them now and discard them later 
they certainly w- would do that for us. Uh, Mitt Romney is using us right now. There's no reason we can't use him right now as mm-hmm. well, even if we each discard one another later. Yeah, and from a structural and getting things done point of view, to have that extra... I mean, we're talking about elections to these days that are won and lost by one or two percentage points, uh, right. especially and, with congressional races. And and you want to yeah. eliminate uh, what's basically between 5 and 10% of the Republican Party, which is opposed to Donald Trump. We, we want to walk away from those people? No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. We want to embrace them no. because every vote matters. At least for now. And, yeah. and, they, and they may turn on us. The Lincoln Project may turn on us one day. They, they, mm-hmm. they very could. Mitt Romney could turn on us one day. Yeah. But right now, they are valuable tools to us, and we are unwise to condemn them at the moment, save that for later. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're helping us. Yeah, let them help us. <laughs> That's right. Why, why sneeze at something like that? There, I mean, the the Lincoln Project ads are some of the best that I've ever they seen. They are. I mean, they're it's incredible. A, and even, God help me, some of the Bill Crystal ads. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying some of these things, but the Bill Crystal ads are also really damn good and they're helping. They're helping us oust this president. And that is the number one most urgent issue on the table now. Ousting Donald Trump. Every if, if the it last is. if the it last we week hasn't proved the priority there. But you, I don't you know. know we haven't been watching. You know who's you know who's really beating Donald Trump? Who's that? Donald Trump. Yeah. Again, you look at the approval ratings, the 10% drop in uh, support among non-college educated whites, Mm -hmm. uh, the drop in evangelicals, the drop in over 65s, the drop in veterans. Uh, This guy keeps shooting himself in in the foot, and America has reached a point of fatigue. Somebody was asking about the gap between Trump's questionable 40-whatever percent approval rating and and overall and the fact that only 20% uh, that let me rephrase that, that 80% of the country thinks that the country is in chaos right now. There's, in the voting booth, there will be a reconciliation Mm -hmm. between that 8 out of 10 Americans feeling that the country is in chaos and Trump's 43% approvals, alleged 43% approval rating. A A lot of that is identification, is identity, is voter identity. They want to, they still... They still think he's a hero. He's still a cult hero. But when they when they go into that booth, uh, I think after what they've seen, uh, and according to some analysis I've read, especially among white voters, there's a fatigue out there now. That fatigue that you and I hoped for is finally, partly as a result of the protest and yeah. his response to it, that fatigue has finally reached a, a point that it's having an effect on the numbers yeah. and, and in, in my view, the election. And every passing day, as I've also said before, he keeps doing more stuff to piss us off. And, and, and so I don't think Democrats are going to lose their motivation. People say, oh, we're going to forget about these protests in a few weeks. They said we'd forget about the coronavirus in a few weeks. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Yeah. These things will all still be on Trump's lap. Coronavirus is going to peak uh, in Trump country just before the election. <laughs> this guy's screwed. Yeah. He's toast. He's toast. Now, we can't let down our laurels, but he is toast. And, you know, take a little pride. Walk a little taller with that. I'm so grappled. I'm like white-knuckled, grappled onto Rachel Bittekoffer's model for this election. Yeah, where it's uh, yeah. that negative partisanship that's driving right. Trump out of office, or that is hopefully going to drive Trump out of office. And that's what I want to see happen. I want to see it uh, as a unanimous referendum on this guy, <laughs> where the country as a whole comes out and says, you know what, we're Look. rejecting not only him, but we're rejecting everything that he stands for, his style of politics, his attitude, the last four years, everything that he's done in that context. We're rejecting all of it, and don't you ever fucking try to repeat this again, Republicans. Let- that's what needs to happen, and I hope that is. Honestly. Yeah. Honestly, Bob, I mean, if you look at the, the lower polls, forget the 14% lead that Biden has uh, at CNN for a moment, and think about the, the other polls that say 9 8 or 6% lead. As divided as this country is, yeah. uh, even a 6-point lead is a big deal. Mm-hmm. A 14-point lead is a blowout. Yeah. And that's what we know we need to overcome all of the obstacles we as Democratic voters face, especially in this pandemic. Okay, you know what? We're way late for a break. We're going to have another edition. That's my fault. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's our fault. Uh, we're going to have another edition of Mr. Do and Mr. Don't. Good cop, bad cop edition coming up what? here in, uh, in, 
in just a second. But uh, as some of you may have seen on my Facebook page and certainly at the Facebook page of Corona Kitchen and Debriana Mancini, I was on a, uh, a Facebook Live video last night and I did not I did not have my plexiderm handy. So imagine just going into one of those Zoom meetings that we're all doing. What what do you see on that screen when you look at yourself? Zoom meetings with coworkers and clients are great, or Facebook Live things on Corona Kitchen, till you notice those bags under your eyes and deep wrinkles. You know, all the deep wrinkles from watching the Trump crisis for all these years. Let me tell you, these cameras catch everything. I'm talking about Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags, and all in the comfort of your own home. Plexiderm is the solution for Zoom meeting eyes. That's a thing now. Everything's a thing now. I know. I uh, I tried it. I took the test, and I was amazed by the results. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody's going to know that you're using it unless you tell them. Go to tryplexiderm.com. Use my code VOICES. For half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus an additional $10 off. That's half off, plus an extra $10 off. Or call 1-800-685-1292. Mention the code VOICES to the operator. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com and use the code VOICES at triplexiderm.com. Okay, let's talk about Omaha Steaks. Father's Day is just around the corner. It's an institution. It's only a few days away, and if you're looking for the perfect Father's Day gift but you don't want to go out to the malls because they're closed or because you don't want to get the coronavirus, Omaha Steaks is here to help you with the greatest customer service literally on the planet. What does dad really want anyway? Lots and lots of beef, of course. Uh, For a limited time, you can find a variety of packages filled with beautiful Omaha steaks, plus other premium meats, side dishes, artisan desserts, and so much more. All ideal for dad's special day. These packages come flash frozen, vacuum sealed, and delivered in a cooler with dry ice safely to his door. That means fresher than fresh, all backed by Omaha Steaks, unconditional 100% money back guarantee. It's a simple, delicious way to treat dad this Father's Day, and you're giving him something that he's actually going to enjoy. What is that? That's beef. Omaha Steaks is offering listeners a variety of amazing packages that are perfect to send dad for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code LIBERAL into the search bar to unlock savings of 50% and more. With code LIBERAL, you'll receive free shipping and free one-pound package of delicious Applewood smoked steak cut bacon on select packages. There are many packages available perfect for dad, all ready to be shipped in time for Father's Day. OmahaSteaks.com. Enter the code LIBERAL in the search bar. That's OmahaSteaks.com. Mike Elson. The Bob Seska Show. (laughs) Brand new Michael McDermott right here. I love this song. said, have you ever been to New York, Texas? I'm not sure anybody really has See, Mama always said that God would bless us If we're grateful for what it is we have Headed straight into the heart of nowhere Coffee City, 20 miles behind Nine weeks now and she's already shown what it is we hope to find But I know Something's coming I can feel it The engine's running Oh, you know, you know I like this guy This is Michael McDermott Brand new song from uh, What in the World, that's the name of the album Available everywhere you get your digital music Oh, God. Every single song in this album is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I can tell. I can yeah. tell when you let it roll uh, that long. Yep. And you were waiting You were waiting for the hook, as you do with old songs. But <laughs> yeah. but I can tell you really like this one, and I do, too. And it was also because I didn't have anything to say. That's also a, a factor in all <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that's, that's never true. <laughs> when has that been true? I love what you said on the cooking show last night about uh, they asked you, and I thought this was an excellent question. They ask you, uh, where do you get the ideas for your writing? What do you? And yeah. you said, normally I'm I'm uh, watching TV, and I start screaming at the TV, <laughs> and and then I think, well, you know, because people will think I'm crazy, I better go write this down. <laughs> um, you know, 
And so that's uh, it's whatever makes you scream at the TV. Yeah. Which is which is by the way, that's that's how Trump gets his ideas. I so. know. It's I'm a great saying. way doing what we do here on the podcast, uh, doing what I do as far as writing for Salon and the banter and so on. It's all about staving off mental illness. That's the entire goal. <laughs> That's the entire point. If I stop doing this, it is. In fact, that's seriously how I got started blogging. I, I mean, honest to God, I'm not <laughs> just making this got up. Pissed off. Yeah, yeah. It was just I was yelling at the television every time George W. Bush was on, and I said, you know what? I need to stop <laughs> yelling at the television and start yelling at people. And so I just yeah. I started writing things uh, in blog form. And fast forward and uh, 15 years later, and here I am. So see, and the moral of that is it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Anger can be a positive force. That's right. That's right. You have and, to be uh, have to be here. fired up. And there's no lack of that now, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I hope we can be, I really do hope for a day in the not-too-distant future where we don't have to be quite so cynical and quite so angry. That's a great idea, Mike Elston. Mike Elston! <laughs> I love that. That's so how much. you know it's legit. Yeah. Oh, hey, listen to this music. I, it's I know that music. Time for another edition of Mr. Do and Mr. Don't. Take it away, That's Bob. right. That's right, Bob. Today, Mr. Do and Mr. Don't, and this is a controversial thing. Today, Mr. Do and Mr. Don't become police officers. <laughs> okay. Officer Do kneels in solidarity with the protesters. Officer Don't kneels solidly on the protesters. Officer Do lowers his weapon when he encounters a reporter. Officer Don't forgets he's not playing Call of Duty. <laughs> Officer Do asks a protester for ways to affect change. Officer Don't asks a protester for ways to score some meth. <laughs> Officer Do offers his support to protesters with a hug. Officer Don't has been fired for his version of hugging. <laughs> there you have it. Mr. Do and Mr. Don't become police officers. That's right. Damn it. Good cop, bad cop edition right there. Okay. That's right. Uh, let's see what else. Speaking of bad cops, uh, Bill Barr contradicted Trump's <laughs> claim that the uh, Secret Service asked him to go down to the security bunker beneath the White House last weekend for a quote-unquote inspection. Barr said the Secret Service instead recommended moving Trump to the bunker on June 1 for his own safety after three days of a duh, 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 duh. Obviously, if anyone's seen that video of Donald Trump at his desk in Trump Tower with the eagle sitting on yes. the perch, and Donald Trump reaches for, not the eagle, but Donald Trump just reaches for a paper on his desk and the eagle just kind of bends over to bite something on the perch donald trump thinks the eagle's about to bite him and he winces and freaks out and slides his chair <laughs> like light speed across his office with that yeah. frightened look on his face that was the donald trump that was hiding in the bunker the other I, I love you know and how typical is it i love his lie about the bunker it's so cute yeah it's such a cute lie uh, i was inspecting it isn't that <laughs> isn't that adorable isn't that just the coolest thing yeah he was inspecting it, it funny uh, uh, Obama says he never saw the, the bunker. He never, yeah. but that he'd heard that there were cobwebs down there. Uh, now I don't know if they had time to clear the cobwebs out before they decided to rush uh, Donald John Trump, his wife uh, Melodia, and uh, and and their and their son down to the bunker. The three of the family. They they took yeah. the family down there. Yeah. And it was a Secret Service decision. Said, Mr. President, you need to come with us. It's uh, it's that we just lost the... They lost a, a sort of a barrier at the Treasury building, mm -hmm. which, by the way, has a bunker at the bottom of it. <laughs> uh, and uh, they uh, they rushed them underground. Uh, but I thought of you, a brave Sir Donald ran away, or, or in this case, a brave Sir Donald ran to the basement. Yes, that's what he did. But no, he was inspecting it. He had his white gloves inspecting out. Inspecting it, yeah, sure. Yeah, Isn't his... that adorable? Isn't that just the cutest lie you ever heard a kid tell? That's right. He had his teeny tiny little white linen gloves, and he was going around che checking just, for dust. Yeah, mm. Just darling. Brave Sir Donald ran away. It was this. It was more like this. Ran away. Yeah. Ran away, away he did. Brave, brave Sir Donald. When reporters asked about what he said, he bravely turned his tail and 
and fled and he hid right there behind his desk and he chickened out. You know, we learned from Brian Karam, a Playboy correspondent for the, at the White House, uh, on the Stephanie Miller show this morning that um, Donald Trump hasn't taken questions from reporters in like a week and a half. Something uh, oh, it's pr- just coming up on two well. weeks. <laughs> don't you think? Don't you think we've, it's time to turn off that faucet? Yeah, you well, you'd think, think at some point he'd do a chopper talk at least. But I, 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 yeah, I chicken triggered this this joke that I remember seeing on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. And that's why did the chicken cross the road? And yeah. answers for a photo op. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, the thing that blows me away, just going back uh-huh. to that Bible photo op for a second. Right. It was a simple photo op. And he can't, Three even, minutes. can't even do the photo op. Can't even handle right. a photo op. It was an easy thing. Go stand there in front of the church with your guys. Instead, he turns it into a, an easily memeable joke. That's what I'm talking When I was talking about defund the police, mm-hmm. that yeah. photo op is the defund the police of Trumpism. Of their side, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he tried it. He thought it was going to be this huge victory for him. They tried to sell it like Winston Churchill surveying the bombing damage in London after, it during was, World War II. It, it, it was a little like that. It was Trump's <laughs> way. I mean, no, in, yeah. in this sense, in this sense, Trump had, I'm convinced, Trump had two purposes uh-huh. in, in making that walk to the church. Uh, the second purpose, the, n- the second most important purpose, was pandering to ev- his e- evangelical base. Oh, yeah. His first and foremost uh, purpose was to prove he could. Yeah, that's exactly was right. Was to prove that he could use the military to push American citizens out of the way so that he could walk across the street cocky. And what happened was, instead, he just gave us meme fodder that'll last us right. through the election day. Right. 1,000%. I mean, the best one that I saw was Donald Trump uh, holding up the Bible, and the Bible's been replaced by the sports almanac from Back to the Future. That was one. It takes a second I've, to I've get exactly that. why that's clever. I've, but that. that's- I've, also, I've also seen him holding a Biden 2020 sign and yeah. a large dildo. <laughs> Well, those are the best ones. Sometimes I just wait. I'm like, come on, Internet. Come on, Internet. And after those protests in Michigan where all those right. gun-toting, small-penised, little tiny men went out with their AR-15s to uh, try to intimidate Gretchen Whitmer, well, right. the greatest thing was when the Photoshop, when the Internet took over with the Photoshop and was replacing all of their firearms with gigantic dildos. Those That'd are the true. days when I'm like, yeah. Internet, way to go, Internet. Doing and your you know, job today. We, you really, if you think about it, you don't know where those guns have been. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You never know what these guys are doing with their firearms in the privacy of their own home. That's right. But uh, speaking of the privacy of their own homes, Trump got into a fight in the Oval Office with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs right before that, yes. that photo op. This and is and Barr. I think it was Trump and Barr versus the generals. Jesus Christ. As, as I understand it. Barr is maybe giving Mike Pence a run for the money when it comes to the analingus. Uh, that is oh, Barr. Be, yeah. Barr is the, don't you think he's the Dick Cheney of, of this administration? Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely. One thousand percent. I mean, it, the, yeah. the whole style of speaking and comporting himself on television is torn <laughs> directly from the Dick yes. Cheney playbook. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was trying to do that thing the other day where he <laughs> speaks in that normal, like really super rational tone of voice, but says crazy shit he's going yeah well you know the pepper spray isn't really a chemical i mean can you really say pepper spray is a chemical it can't really be a chemical if you put it on your potato chips no no bill Barr, you idiot but apparently this guy uh this guy the chairman of the joint chiefs you know that guy uh, uh, General Milley uh, got into a yes. shouting match over Donald Trump's idea to send uh-huh. in regular army soldiers into American cities, not just Washington, yeah, D.C., but uh, right, all right. America. I mean, where there were protests going on. Right. And General Milley, thank God. I mean, at least there's someone who will at least draw the line at sending troops into cities to put down uh, protesters. And that was one of those cases where uh, General Milley saved Donald Trump from himself. I mean, this is going to be a catastrophic idea. Because, yeah. Mm. yeah. The only thing I, I I think this is a good opportunity to point out what I've talked about before, what we've talked about before, is nobody is pure evil or purely good. Uh, yeah. That All of us, each of us, is uh, some combination of those two things. Right. Uh, hopefully uh, 99% good and only 1% evil. Mm-hmm. But as you know, there are variations on that. Uh, Tilly, for example, uh, you know, on one hand, it was 
great that, especially behind the scenes, he spoke up like that. But he did accompany Trump across the street to that church, and it should be noted that it was General Tilley and uh, Defense Secretary Esper's escorting of Trump across the street to that church where the top military leadership crossed a line for everybody else in the military. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is where the military lost respect for both the defense secretary and General Tilly. So Tilly is one of those people who's done harm and he's done good. Oh, you mean... uh, at least I'm... Millie? Are you talking about... Millie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I was thinking of a country western singer. (laughs) That's right. Thank you. Mike Elson! All right. So, yeah, I mean, that was uh, one of the many weird things that was going on throughout the past weekend uh, and and uh, late last week. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we still haven't had a satisfactory answer to is where all those unidentified troops came from. Yeah, well, we have a pretty good idea now, and the Washington Post has done some pretty good reporting on this. We know that for the most part, uh, there were actually uh, the Bureau of Prisons. Yeah. The Bureau of Prisons, under the direction of William Barr, sent prison guards uh, in these in this riot gear mm. to stand alongside American military troops, National Guard, and local law enforcement against uh, the protesters. And they were unmarked. They didn't have name tags. They didn't have identification. Uh, the post photographers were able to get shots of some of their T-shirts and their sleeves. One said uh, something like FCC officer. So there was uh, somebody there apparently from the Federal Communications Commission in Austin. All of these guys were apparently from Texas. There were 111 of them in D.C. And uh, um, when Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C., complained, uh, all but uh, 23 of them were sent back. Uh, They were there briefly, and they were the first troops, if you want to call them that, to be pulled. But they're prison guards. They came from prisons where coronavirus runs rampant, and they Mm -hmm. were in those crowds. Uh, They are not trained. Uh, to, to handle these situations. Some of the prison guards, obviously prison riots, they've been trained for. Uh, but if you're not a, a sworn law enforcement officer or you're not a, a, an under oath member of the military, you don't, you're not protected. You don't have the same kinds of protections they have. And so these Bureau of Prisons guys, the guy from the FCC, that poor schmuck, and, and some of the other, and some of the other randos that they, they put into these, into these uniforms, uh, would have been legally vulnerable. Had, had something happened, had they accidentally killed somebody, oh my gosh, it would be, you know, what a, what a legal mess this would be. Mm-hmm. They, they, for these reasons, because there was no accountability, uh, it's very dangerous for them to be there. It was mysterious and scary and ominous to see these unmarked troops there at first. Now that we know that they were mostly Bureau of Prisons guard, prison guards and, and some random guy from the FCC, uh, we, we now, we now know where they, we now know where they came from. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, I don't know that it makes us feel any better except to know that they're gone. Uh, and, uh, that was a very risky thing, uh, that, uh, was done in, on Barr's part and putting them out there. Yeah. And, you know, first thing that needs to happen in this process of reforming the police Take mm-hmm. the military shit away from them. Absolutely. That Demilitarize. A, yeah. Steve Schmidt, of all people. Did I just say Steve Schmidt? <laughs> I think I did. I don't know. Steve. I like it. You said it You said it with respect. That's Steve, the important thing. I, I said it like a DJ. Steve Schmidt. Steve Schmidt uh, said the other day that uh, the police just need to go back to looking like uh, Mayberry, looking like Andy yes. Griffith yes. and Don Knotts. Yes. In, and in those like guys. Exactly right. With just a six shooter and that's it. And there's the regular uniform. Forms. You don't want to look well, like soldiers. It's, just, it's too right. much. It's uh, overreaching. They need, yeah, they don't need tanks, and some of them, some departments have tanks. Yeah, they don't need some of the large military equipment. That started to happen when the military was. I don't know whether they just scale it down or something. Anyway, uh, they, oh, when we pulled out of when we pulled out of Iraq. Uh, we had, the military had the Pentagon had like a garage sale. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and they and they sold uh, like uh, tanks and uh, <laughs> helicopters and all kinds of crazy weapons yep. to just city police departments across the country that were never meant to be militarized. It's mm-hmm. it should be more Mayberry than military. Yes. Oh God, yeah. And just that alone, I think, is a goal worth striving for. And right. It seems to me as if there's it's, a slogan. There's yeah. a slogan: more Mayberry than military. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's even better. Mike Elson. <laughs> Thank you. Political Thank consultant. You. Cop- <laughs> copyright 2020. <laughs> All right. One last break. We'll wrap up the show right after these words. 
You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. It's been a long, long time since we played a track from Central City. This is a song called Club Noir. Instrumental. It's a three-song instrumental album, and I love it, love it, love it to death. It's very, very 80s. I feel like... Uh, it, it is. I love it. We should be doing it. like a buddy cop 80s movie with this music. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. You know what? Man. That brings, back, that brings back memories of having the uh, lightweight sport jacket that you rolled the sleeves up on or you pushed the <laughs> sleeves up your elbow. That's right. And I always, I always loved Letterman's response to that. When someone would come out on stage with their their jacket coats pushed up to their elbows, he would come over with his hands and slide them down <laughs> to, to their full length because it apparently bothered him. Yeah, well, Jesus, you know, I, I would have been uh, caught as a victim of that too because I used to do it all the time. And here's the reason why. Because it's impossible for me to find sleeves that actually go the full length of my arms. <laughs> well, so, that's, yeah. I, I, you, yeah, see, I know you you prayed for that. You you Like when uh, low-rise jeans came into fashion, I bought as many as I I could not because uh, uh, because I'm short waisted and I had to wait like decades for <laughs> short waisted pants to come in style and I said that's it damn it I'm buying all of them. Well now the trend is with shirts, uh, men's uh-huh. shirts, women's shirts, yes. where the sleeves sure. are now extra long. In fact, some people have their yeah. thumbs pushed through the cuffs of the sleeves. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's how a long they are. Oh my! Well, yeah, but I mean uh, they're great for me but because see, now that- I can actually <laughs> find jackets and shirts that go the full length of yeah. my god damn arms but for people who put their thumbs through the ends that's just so the sleeve doesn't slide up when they wipe their nose with it, so. <laughs> well you know we've been playing this uh this jingle here mike elson throughout the show today <laughs> it's and- called a shout it's called a dj shout yeah yeah and that was done by the late dave robbins who mm-hmm. was a disc jockey at b90 b96 in chicago when I uh, did morning news and a yeah. morning show there for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, and it's just like this one. Bob Seska. Except, that, yeah, that's uh, the same thing Very as Mike Elson. Right, in fact, we, we have, isn't that great? We have a, we have matching shouts. We can play them at the same time, too. Mike Elson. Uh, they're like literally <laughs> the same length. And so you were going through some old air check tapes and yeah, came, up, came yeah. up with some gems on the Please. Stephanie Miller show, Stephanie and I have been joking back and forth for years now because we trade uh, sound effects, we trade bits and things like that back and forth between the shows. We describe that as swapping body fluids. That's <laughs> the sexual innuendo that we couch all of that in. You came up with, Buzz, the ultimate swapping of body fluids. <laughs> have you shared this with her yet? I have, and she loved it. I She oh, loved good, every second. She was so grateful. Well, yeah. it, it turned out that you and Stephanie were on the radio at the same time. Together. Way, together back in 1989. And, For one day. Yeah. 
and I am going to play those <laughs> tapes on the postmortem show. Oh, on our, good on our Patreon page. So you got to sign if you want to hear. I'm going to play a couple of these tapes. There are uh-huh. many, many more that we'll just kind of roll out as we go through the uh, months and years here. But for now, we've got a couple of clips, and we're going to roll treats. those out on they're the postmortem show. They're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're real treats. And if if you never were tempted to subscribe before, I, I would hope that this would tempt you because uh, this is pretty entertaining stuff. I'll, I'll try to keep bringing some stuff, but we <laughs> yes. want to we want to uh, provide something special for you folks who are Patreon members. Mm-hmm. And I love this kind of stuff. I love air check tapes, which are basically audition tapes, demo tapes that radio DJs would put together. I've played some of mine on the uh, after party show uh, mm-hmm. with Kimberly when I was on B104 and when I was on WNU and Radio. <laughs> That was Bob Cunningham. I was Stretch Cunningham on the radio at B104. And so that's what you found in your archive is a bunch of tapes of these uh, these recordings from, uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was literally Inauguration Day, 1989. It was. Yeah. Can you believe that? I mean, of all the tapes that I would come across, it would be this one where I was on for one day, and it was the inauguration of George H.W. Bush. Uh, I mean, Reagan was just leaving office that Mm -hmm. day. And it was so it was an historic day. uh, And it was the only day that Stephanie and I have ever worked on the radio together. Amazing. And it's it's one of those confluences of things all happening at the same time. And it goes all the way back to 1989 when, you know, I was a senior in high school. (laughs) And I wouldn't have uh, cracked a microphone in a radio studio for another three years. I think it would be another three years before I'd ever actually be on the radio myself. That's how seemingly, I don't mean to make you guys feel old, but... Oh, no, no, I don't mind at all. (laughs) Yes, as you you, never do. Can you help me across the room? (laughs) So, patreon.com slash Bob Seska show. If you sign up for $5 a month, you get our post-mortem show, uh, which uh, is what we do right after this music is done playing. We just keep on talking about whatever else is happening in the news, sometimes fun things, sometimes not so fun things. But uh, we keep on going for another 20 minutes. We put those out every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, And if you sign up at $15 a month for the ultimate edition of the show, not only do you get the commercial-free version of this here show, this free show, but you also get the post-mortem show tacked onto the end, as if exactly like uh, how we record it every uh, Tuesday and Thursday. So you're getting the full scope of conversation from beginning to end, a full hour and a half of content, minus all the commercials and all that happy crappy. So you want to make sure to go to bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow and sign up to get all of that stuff. Meanwhile, Buzz Burbank News and Comments starring Mike Elson. <laughs> Buzzburbank.com, realmnetwork.com, everywhere you get your podcast. It happens every Thursday. Buzz Burbank News and Comment, the best hour of news you're going to hear all week. Meanwhile, Sexy Liberal Podcast Network at sexyliberal.com. Make sure to support Jody, support Stephanie, support uh, everyone. John Fugel saying support Frangela. The entire roster of Sexy Liberal shows, including the unprecedented podcast with Cliff and John. Brand new to the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Make sure to tune Wait. in for all that. Five-star ratings and reviews on all your favorite podcast platforms. Yes. Yes. Yes, please. What? You were done here. It didn't seem like it came on suddenly. Oh, yeah. It always does. But the good news is we have air check tapes. Yes, exactly. That's coming up at the post <laughs> show. See you over there, folks. Bye-bye. <laughs> Okay, now more than ever, we're all thinking about our hygiene. We're washing our hands, we're sneezing into our arms, we're making sure not to touch our faces. But what about your cell phone? It's a gigantic carrier of germs. I know mine probably is. I haven't washed or cleaned my cell phone in a long, long time. Basically, here's what the problem is. Phones are a vector for disease and we rarely clean them. We're constantly touching our phones with our hands or even pressing them to our face, which is gross. It's time to take cleaning your phone seriously. The Clean Phone Pro Sanitizer uses medically proven UV light technology to kill 99.99% of all bacteria that comes in contact with your phone. They're better than wipes, safe for your device. The Clean Phone Pro gets every inch of your phone clean as a whistle with nine high-power UVC lights. There's a dedicated wireless charging pad on top of the chamber. You can be sanitizing your other items while wirelessly charging your phone. Or you can just use the Clean Phone Pro as your go-to charging station any damn time you want. Fully removable top means easier fit for more items and larger items. Go to thecleanphone.com today and get one for just $89 and free shipping when you use the code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word. If you're serious about hygiene, it's time to get serious about cleaning your phone. Go to thecleanphone.com. Don't forget the the. 
and keep your phone truly clean. Remember to use the code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word, for two-day free shipping, and it's going to ship immediately. No long waits. That's thecleanphone.com, thecleanphone.com. 